The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. In today's business world, you need to have a unique edge in order to thrive. Your show host, Lisa Chickles, understands you have to live it to get it. And she is here to give what they couldn't teach you in business school. This is Chat with Chickles, featuring brand champion Lisa Chickles. In this program, you'll hear from the experts who are already making differences in their business while picking up strategies that can help you and your business survive and thrive. Now, here's your host, Lisa Chickles. Welcome. It's so nice to have you here today. And I'm broadcasting live from Toronto, Canada. And thank you for taking the time to join me for my show on innovation. This is part two of uh, my two-part series. And we're going to chat about what they couldn't teach you in business school because you have to live it to get it. This show is for people who want to succeed in business, whether you are an entrepreneur or an intrapreneur. Last week, I asked the question, can innovation truly flourish in an organization or can the culture, structure, how you define your business model get in the way? And I said, from my experience, the answer is yes, yes, and yes. And then we chatted about strategies to get around these potential barriers to innovation. For example, we talked about culture and how do you assess your organization's culture or your own tolerance for risk? Do they or you believe in the freedom to fail? or fear of making mistakes. You can still move ahead, regardless of which culture you're in. You just need to make sure that you're prepared and that you have a plan to address the culture culture that you're working in or with. Because it's a lot of work, and you need to have the passion, energy, and determination to take it to the finish line. And we're going to talk a lot about that today. I also chatted about structure and how it can be an enabler or a barrier to innovation. We chatted about formal structures, like setting up separate departments, or more informal structures, like setting up a cross-functional team with a specific mandate that's time-bound, or something like Google did with their 20% time, dedicating 20% of an engineer's time on an innovation that will benefit the company. Regardless of the structure you chose, make sure it aligns with the mandate and the organizational culture and their capacity. And remember, if it doesn't work, you can always change it. I saw the movie Spotlight this week. Uh, no spoiler alert needed for, for this um, example that I'm going to share with you. As background at the Boston Globe newspaper, they created a team called Spotlight. The focus on the t- of the team was to get a- dedicate resources to investigative journalism. When senior management asked why they had missed an important story years ago, they said it was because they didn't have Spotlight because they didn't have the right structure. This team that was dedicated to investigative journalism, or in another word, innovation. Because the structure was wrong, they couldn't do the story or work the story, or that's why they missed it. I guess the question is, do you really need a special team to bring innovative thinking to an organization or to do investigative journalism? 
To me, innovation is about leadership and having the courage to take it on. Structure can help. It can be an enabler. It can help you to nurture the innovation, but it shouldn't be a barrier or an excuse for not trying. So I'm not sure I bought into senior management's reason for missing the story many years earlier. We also chatted about the way a company defines its business model and how that can get in the way of innovation, especially if you defined it too narrowly. We talked about Disney being in the family entertainment business instead of the movie business, or McDonald's being in the family restaurant business instead of the burger and fries business, and how by broadening their definition of their business model, it opened up opportunities for them around innovation. It allowed Disney to expand into other categories beyond movies, like um, cruise lines or vacation properties or, of course, you know, their theme park, but also the DVDs and getting into all of the other collateral that you can um, profit from and um, bring to consumers when you've defined your business model a little more broadly. And for McDonald's, by talking about themselves as a family restaurant business, it enabled them to react to the trend, the new trend around healthy eating. If they were just a burger and fries business, how could they react to that market reality? Part one is about how do you get around those potential barriers to innovation and getting people to say yes to your ideas. And if you missed it, you can access the episode on my website at lisachicklesconsulting.com or voiceamerica.com on my host page under business. Just search my name, Lisa Chickles, that's C-H-I-C-U-L-E-S, and you can download that episode and, and take a listen. So this week, now that we've got everyone to buy in and everyone said yes, so now what happens? Guess what? You're not done. You now need to keep your idea alive, um, your innovation, and you need to get to the finish line. Yeah, it sounds so simple, but it's it's a marathon, not a sprint. Trust me. And you need to build support for your idea. Build champions, or like I like to say it, find cheerleaders. And continually improve your idea. And if you can, build sustainability around your idea. It's a lot of effort to get to that launch phase to finally get that innovation to market, whether it's an innovative way of thinking like we talked about with UPS and only making right-hand turns, or if it's a new product launch like we I talked about with the lottery product um, for that not-for-profit organization. How do you build sustainability in that idea? So to start with, we're going to talk about keeping that idea alive. So now that you've figured out how to bring innovation to your organization or to your business, how do you build on it, nurture it, take it to the finish line? Well, from my experience, ideas are fragile. They need to be nurtured and you need people to say, hey, how can we make this better? Not why it won't work. If you don't nurture ideas, they can disappear or morph into something else, usually what has been done before with just a different label on it. The innovation can be lost and it needs to be protected and nurtured. You also need to build those champions or find your cheerleaders for your, for your ideas, um, for your ideas, people that believe in the innovation and will support you and help you to get to the finish line. And you need to avoid the dream crushers. And we'll talk a little bit about that later. I read an article in the Globe and Mail um, a couple of weeks ago. And uh, for those that don't know, the Globe and Mail is one of Canada's national newspapers. And they referenced Larry Wydell's work. His book is titled The Serial Winner, Five Actions to Create Your Cycle of Success. His actions were, don't hesitate, decide. Don't just do it, overdo it. Don't quit, adjust. Don't just start, finish, and don't settle, keep improving. 
I couldn't agree more with uh, Wydell's five actions and have used those uh, and some fun movie references because, as I said last time, I'm quite a movie buff and my own experience to frame today's show. So let me give you a bit of an overview of, you know, what Larry Wydell was talking about in his book of, um, you know, the serial winner and those five actions. So action one was about decide. Sounds so simple, but not easy for everyone. This is the stage where you actually make a decision. You pick an option. Lots of us hesitate and doubts creep in. And some of your friends point out why it won't work or others who have tried and failed. You can't let this get in the way, slow you down. You need to build momentum. Um, I I referenced that book, 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership, and it talks about one of the laws is the law of momentum. On the show last week, we got people to say yes to your ideas, and we did decide. And now we need to work on actions two to five. So action two, overdue. Most of us underestimate what it will take to accomplish anything in terms of time, energy, and money. And we can give up or run out of time, energy, and money. So be prepared to overdue. This is definitely me. Things always seem so simple at the beginning. I call it the power of naivete or naivety, whatever, however you want to pronounce that. You don't, you don't see all of the steps. You're inspired by the idea or the innovation. The key is to continue to tap into that energy and to make it to the finish line. So when you think, you know, um, oh, this, this is so easy, pause for a moment and double or even triple the amount of time, energies, and resources you think it's going to take to get to the finish line. And I'll chat more about that in the show. Action three, adjust. Things change. Some things don't work out. That doesn't mean you have to quit. That doesn't mean you have to abandon your idea. We talked about that last week um, when we were looking at the business models of those companies. They didn't just close their doors. They adjusted their business model to allow for the changes in the market. Or as they understood that there were some, like what Google did with their 20% time, as their business evolved, they evolved how they were going to do innovation. That's okay. That's not a failure. That's knowing when to adjust and that's responding to the market and using your strategy instincts to be able to do that. Action four is about finishing. As Wydell says in his books, uh, you don't win if you don't finish. And some people can get distracted towards the end, feel overwhelmed and give up. For me, at this point, it's important to have a cheerleader on your side. Find one person that believes in you and your vision and talk to them as much as possible. For every project I have undertaken, I've been fortunate to find at least one person that was a cheerleader. Action five, improve. Don't settle for what you've achieved. Keep going. Keep improving. This is true when we want launch that lottery product. I think I had mentioned to you that we spent so much time managing risk and the downside that we didn't spend enough time thinking about how we could develop the product, make it better, maybe sell more. And the example I'm going to take you through today is is a similar one where we spent a lot of time managing risk um, and we didn't spend enough time on how we could create sustainability within the idea and take it to the next level. And on sustainability, it's something that I haven't quite figured out yet. Um, I've done some great work on innovation and getting people to say yes and finally getting it into the marketplace. And then the sustainability piece is a hard one. So I'm going to tell you what I think you need to do, but I'd also love to hear from you. So please feel free to email me at chatwithchickles. That's chat with C-H-I-C-U-L-E-S, chickles at rogers.com. 
As I said last week, I'm a big movie fan, and there are a few films um, that, for me, summed up how I have felt when trying to keep an idea alive or to get to that finish line. One was in 12 Angry Men. In this film, there are 12 men on a jury, clearly an older film, deciding the fate of someone accused of murder. Henry Fonda stars in the original film and presents a different point of view to the other juror members. And he has to stand up against a lot of... um, a lot of opposition. A lot of people don't believe in his point of view of where, what he thinks actually happened and whether or not this person was innocent. And there's one gentleman on the jury that turns to Henry Fonda and says, it's not easy to stand against the ridicule of others. And I think it's, an, it's a great point and it's something to keep in mind when you're doing something that's new. Unfortunately, not everyone's going to have your passion. Not everyone's going to have your same tolerance for risk. And the way that it may manifest itself is is through opposition or creating barriers or not being a cheerleader. So you need to remember that you got to overdo, as Wydell says, and, you know, learn to stand up against the ridicules of others. I'm going to chat about my experience in keeping an idea alive and preparing to overdo and having the determination to get to the finish line. I was working for a not-for-profit organization, and I had presented an idea to the national team. I was a VP in the regional office um, and had presented this idea to the national team. It was a brand campaign that integrated um, a national fundraising strategy. And I felt that it could do three things for the organization. Align everyone nationally without changing structure. Again, it was a provincial or regional structure. Each region made decisions what was best for their region. And they didn't have to say yes to any national initiative. What that meant was if you had a national initiative, you had to get basically 11 people to agree to move forward. And, of course, their respective boards of directors. I also thought that it was an opportunity to engage the public with the brand and the mission. We had lost ground here. People had started to feel that it was a health-related charity and felt that the issue was no longer urgent and relevant. And it had been replaced by other causes that seemed more urgent and relevant. People felt like it was old news or that it was, it was as long as you, you know, had a healthy lifestyle, you'd be okay and you could get around it. And the actual fact was, no, it still was an urgent and relevant issue. And the question was, how could we bring that to people so that they could see the importance of the message? And then the third thing was really to grow the revenue. We raised money to support things like research. Um, And we wondered if this perceived lack of urgency and relevancy may be contributing to the decline of our revenue. The goal was to develop a compelling brand campaign that would make our cause urgent and relevant again, and then leverage the awareness and messaging to inspire a national fundraising strategy that would then help drive revenue. And no small feat. um, But again, of course, my naivety stepped in and I said, how hard can this be? Um, and I wasn't initially prepared to overdo. And one of the other things you should be aware of is that because I was in a regional office, I had to lead through influence, not authority. Again, I had, I didn't, wasn't in a position to be able to tell people what to do. I had to help convince people that this was the right thing to do. Um, so that was really around how do you overdo? And we're we're going to be coming up on a break soon. And when I come back, I'm going to walk you through what the solution was or the things that I did to try to overdo and to help us get to the finish line. Um, this is Chat with Chickles, what they couldn't teach you in business school, because you have to live it to get it. 
The show is for people who would rather stand up and be noticed than sit down and be hidden. It's about taking risk, calculated risk, and putting yourself and your ideas out there. I'm your host, Lisa Chickles, and you can reach me at chatwithchickles at rogers.com. That's Chickles, C-H-I-C-U-L-E-S. You can like me on Facebook, connect with me on LinkedIn, follow me on Twitter, or check out my website at lisachicklesconsulting.com. And when we come back, I'll tell you a little bit more about the solution um, that I put in place to try to get around some of this overdue need. business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Take your business to the next level. Deliver more growth to your bottom line and bring innovation to your organization. Visit LisaChicklesConsulting.com. Lisa Chickles Consulting will work with you to unearth your brand's potential to drive business results. Lisa works with the top brands in the corporate and not-for-profit sectors to develop strategic plans to ensure success. Bring a fresh and original perspective to your business. Visit LisaChicklesConsulting.com. That's LisaChicklesConsulting.com. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings of the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our wall. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into Chat with Chickles. To reach Lisa and her guest today, please call into 1 866 472 5790. That's 1 866 472 5790. You may also send Lisa an email to chat with chickles at rogers.com. Now, back to this week's show. Thanks, everyone, for uh, joining me again. As we were talking about last week, I was uh, looking at innovation, and we did part one in the series, and right now we're on part two. In part one, we got people to say yes to our ideas. In part two, it's about keeping that idea alive and making it to the finish line, building support for your idea, and finding those cheerleaders um, amongst the dream crushers. And then, of course, constantly improving uh, your innovation and hoping to create sustainability. So for me, just before the break, I was chatting about an example of a project that I worked on that I led um, in a not-for-profit organization. And it was a brand campaign that was integrated with fundraising. Um, it was a national initiative. And I was I was the VP of one of the regional offices. So what I did once the group finally said, yes, Lisa, we think this is an idea worth exploring. So this was not a yes. This was not saying, yeah, you move forward. This was saying, we approve 
the idea and we approve you being able to explore it further and gathering more data. So you know what? I took that because, again, you're not going to say yes right away. People need facts. They need information to make those decisions. So when I did get that approval for exploration, I, I went to work, I gathered the team, and we created the plan. We built a business case that demonstrated the upside revenue potential of the initiative um, and also the risk of doing nothing, something that we talked about last week. We did national quantitative research by region to make sure that we had all the facts for each of the regions. Because remember, they were making decisions based on what was best for their market. They weren't looking at it from a national perspective. What it also did was provide us with a baseline of data and results so that we could look at pre-post results. What, what were people thinking about in terms of the urgency and the relevancy you know, of our cause before the campaign launched and then afterwards? And, and what was the learning there? And then also looking at awareness objectives, et cetera. So it really gave us a great tool to say, was it worth the investment? Did it work? Um, and basically, with all of that, we also tested multiple brand campaigns. Um, anyone who's ever worked in marketing or in advertising, you know, it seems so simple when you watch those 30-second ads on TV. There's a lot of work that goes into getting that right message and being able to motivate people, especially when you're talking about a not-for-profit and they're buying into um, your organization. They're not necessarily buying a product. So a little trickier and lots of learning along the way. And then finally, we had all the facts in hand. We presented it to the national team and we're like, yay, I'm sure they're all going to say yes and we're going to move forward. And then everybody's going to rally around the idea and we're going to be able to in integrate into these fundraising strategies across the country and um, it'll be a great success. Okay, so that it's good to be optimistic and it's good to have that energy and excitement. Um, but again, here's a bit of that naivete. Um, yeah. It took a lot longer. It actually, from idea, from thinking about the idea to actually getting it into market, was about three years, um, much longer than I had ever thought. I learned a lot through that experience, and I'm going to share some of that with you today. And I don't know if you could have done it any differently or any faster. Uh, one of the things I have realized about new thinking, ideas, innovation, is they take time, and especially if you need to get buy-in from a large group of people. Everyone needs to feel comfortable to say yes and to make that investment and take that risk with you. So it takes time. So what got me through, how I got through that three-year journey, um, is I really believed in the work. Uh, I really believed that it was the right strategy and that it would do great things for the organization. And it was that belief that kept me going. And when a friend of mine said to me, you know, Lisa, when you're feeling like you want to give up, you need to focus on the work. You need to ignore the distractions. You need to ignore other people's worries, their insecurities. Perhaps there's politics. Who knows? But you need to ignore that and just focus on the work. And that focus will give you the energy to help you get to the finish line. And, of course, as uh, Larry Wydell said in his book, uh, you better plan to overdo so as I noted earlier, most of us underestimate what it's going to take to accomplish anything in terms of time, energy, money, and you can give up partway and you can run out of a lot of those things. 
So you need to be prepared to overdo. And he talks about it as an Olympic race and how when the runners come out of the gate, they have that burst of energy um, that just gets them out of the starting block. And he said, that's the kind of energy you need to harness to get you to the finish line. For me, I think of it more as a hurdler versus a sprinter. Uh, Each hurdle is like an obstacle that you have to overcome, like old habits, inertia, unexpected surprises. And all of those things say you need to be prepared to overdo. You need to be able, you need to be prepared for blowback. You need to be uh, prepared for mistakes and having to adjust along the way. So you need to find a way to keep your energy up and keep those knees up. Believe me, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. And and there will be people spending time asking you to overdo because of their own concerns and worries. Um, And really, this is when you need to think about, all right, how do I focus on the work and how do I get over those hurdles? I'm reminded of another movie. It's called uh, Salmon Fishing in the Yemen. It's a small film. I don't know if you've seen it, but it's a great one and I would highly recommend it. It's a British film. It's based on a book by the same name. In the movie, Emily Blunt, it's a romantic comedy drama, all three. Uh, Emily Blunt plays a businesswoman and she is working for a wealthy sheikh from the Yemen who wanted to bring the sport of fly fishing to the Yemen desert. Okay, there's a big innovation and there's a big task. There were so many hurdles to overcome. How do you build the water source? Where do you get the fish from, the salmon? Will they survive? Ewan McGregor plays a fisheries scientist assigned to help Emily Blunt make this happen. And finally, at the end of an exhaustive analysis and months of work and consultation, he finally turns to her and says, I can't think of any reason why this won't work. Now, let's just pause about that statement for a minute. That wasn't, yes, this is great. Let's go. We can do this. It was what we call an absence of a negative. Well, there's no reason why it won't work. So you need to be prepared that that might be some of the reaction that you're going to receive. And therefore, you need to find that energy source, that how you feel when you get out of the gate to to help you get through that finish line. In addition to overdoing, uh, Wydell also talks about don't quit, adjust. Things are going to change. Some things don't work out. That doesn't mean you abandon your plan. That doesn't mean you quit. Like the companies we talked about, they didn't close their doors. They adjusted. So you have to be prepared. You have to think about that plan B. And in our case, um, the brand campaign that we developed didn't do very well initially in all of our testing. And so we had to go back and rework it and think about it and and wait until we found the right idea, the one that presented our message in the best way and met all of our communication objectives. So basically what he's saying in these two steps is overdo and adjust. You, When you come up with an idea, as I said earlier, it's fragile and it needs to be protected. You need to nurture it. Very few people feel comfortable with change and innovation and it can be frightening for them. No one really knows how it's going to turn out You just have to stay true to the idea. Think about the 12 angry men. It's not easy to stand against the ridicule of others. Um, And there will be people that are going to put up those barriers. And then they're going to say to you, I can't think of any reason why this won't work. All of this is a reminder that you need to overdo. You need to think about that energy to help you get to the finish line. And then when you come up against a hurdle, don't quit. Just adjust. I mean, if you still believe in the idea and that hurdle isn't telling you that there's been some error in your thinking or judgment and it's something that you can adjust, then keep going. 
right? Because you don't want to abandon all of that work. So once you've done that, then where are you? Well, okay, so I've overdone, I've adjusted, and now I need to get to the finish line. This is where you need to find your champions, or as I like to call them, your cheerleaders, and avoid the dream crushers. I was fortunate enough to find a cheerleader in the midst of of the project that I was working on. Um, As I had said, I was a VP of a regional team. And as part of that project, I was assigned someone from the national team. And their role was really to help me gain access to that group, um, to get approval, to get my project on their agenda, and to also, if at all possible, be a supporter in those meetings. Think of your typical committee board structure and how that works. Well, he was, he was the one that got me through. He was my cheerleader. He was the person that not only believed in the project, but I really felt that he believed in me and what I was doing, the work that I was doing, how I was approaching it. And I have to tell you, I spoke to him as much as I possibly could because there were a lot of other people who were nervous. So, you know, it was a big investment. What if it didn't work? We tried something like this before and it didn't work. So many reasons not to move forward. And, and he was the person that really helped to champion it for me and to give me that support. And then, as I said, Wydell says in his book, Action 4, you need to finish. You don't win if you don't get to the finish line. And, and you can get distracted towards the end. You can feel overwhelmed. You're going to be tired. You're going to want to give up. And believe me, I felt that way many times. In the movie Lincoln, um, for those that have seen it, I can't imagine the number of hurdles he had to get over um, to get to the finish line. And he had this one great statement is he turned to his team, I'll call them. um, I hold the highest power in the U.S. and I'm telling you to just get it done. I, I can, I, when I watch that movie, I could really feel that frustration. I, um, on, on, you know, how do you, how do you get people to just get it done? And then in my case, because I didn't have the authority and I really had to lead through influence, it became a challenge. And of course, this is when um, those people in your life, those cheerleaders help you get through. And then again, you think about it, well, no wonder it's so difficult to bring innovation to an organization or to your company. Uh, and that's why you have to find those cheerleaders. I'm reminded of another movie, um, Moneyball. And for those um, that haven't seen it, it's a true story about Billy Bean. It was played by Brad Pitt. He was a general manager of the Oakland A's, and he needed to assemble a baseball team after the departure of some of his star players. And he had very limited financial resources. He met um, Peter Brand, uh, who in the movie was played by Jonah Hill in the movie, um, who was sort of who uses metrics and statistics differently while scouting and analyzing players. His his approach was innovative, and it went against the conventional stats that were being used at the time. So Billy hires Peter and uses his approach, and they do it as a team, to build his team. And no one had done this before, and believe me, there were people who thought he was crazy and it's never going to work, and it probably took more time than he thought. But Peter became his cheerleader. He's the one that helped him to get to the finish line. And that's what you need to find when you're doing a project like this. When you're thinking about innovation, be aware um, of those cheerleaders. Try to seek them out and avoid the dream crushers. I don't think they intend to be dream crushers. I think they're people who perhaps worry a little bit more than you do. Perhaps they don't fully understand what you're trying to do, or their tolerance for risk is different from yours. They may fear getting fired for doing something than fired for doing nothing, like we talked about last week. And so sometimes they play the fence. 
thinking that if they sit on the fence, um, they can take either side depending on the outcome. At one stage in my brand campaign, an integrated fundraising project, I met a fence sitter. And when we come back after the break, I'm going to tell you about that. Um, and it's it surprised me and how how I got over that in order to be able to get to the finish line. So we are coming up on a break. And when we come back, we're going to chat more about these fence sitters and what we've learned in this segment. And then also talk about improving and finding a way to build sustainability in your idea. To you, Voice America Business Network. Take your business to the next level. Deliver more growth to your bottom line and bring innovation to your organization. Visit LisaChicklesConsulting.com. Lisa Chickles Consulting will work with you to unearth your brand's potential to drive business results. Lisa works with the top brands in the corporate and not-for-profit sectors to develop strategic plans to ensure success. Bring a fresh and original perspective to your business. Visit LisaChicklesConsulting.com. That's LisaChicklesConsulting.com. Many industries have been revolutionized by technology in the last decade. Books, music, TV, communications, and now it's happening to our money and the way we pay. Tune into Breaking Banks with Brett King for a look at how technology and customer behavior will bring about more changes in banking in the next 10 years than in the last 200 years. Listen every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific on Voice America Business Channel or on AM 1160 The Voice. You'll never look at your bank account the same again. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You are tuned into Chat with Chickles. To reach Lisa and her guest today, please call into 1 866 472 5790. That's 1 866 472 5790. You may also send Lisa an email to chat with chickles at rogers.com now back to this week's show hi everyone and welcome back just before we left we were chatting about um you know finding those cheerleaders and avoiding the dream crushers when you're bringing innovation to an organization and they, they are critical those cheerleaders because uh, you know as they were as henry fonda in that movie 12 angry men it's difficult to stand up um against ridicule and it's also difficult to stand up when people are constantly challenging you because, you know, in your gut, you believe that you're on the right path. You think this is right. But if it's new, then it hasn't been done before or it hasn't been done in that organization or in that way. And you really don't know if it's going to work. I mean, you're doing everything you can to ensure success or to manage the risk, but you don't know. And if if there isn't someone there saying, no, no, Lisa, I think you're on the right path. I think you're going in the right direction. It, it's pretty tough. 
So in, in your life, when you're out there, whether it's personal or professional, when someone says to you and you hear that enthusiasm, you know, that bang out of the gate, they're excited about a new idea or a new personal project, let your next response be, wow, that sounds great. How Can I help? How can I build it? Yeah, because you never know where it's going to lead, right? You know, think about that, um, you know, or maybe we haven't chatted about it yet. Think about the Facebook example, right? Like, and we'll, and we'll get there in a minute. So at this point in the process, I was now, had found my cheerleader. Yay, my guy on the national team. He was my guy. And now I was working with another regional leader and had to meet with her board of directors. So I just keep in mind, I'd never met these people before. And, and they had a lot of concerns around the project and, you know, had uh, had let her know. And then in turn, she had let me know that they had a bunch of concerns. So basically... Um, when it started out, I would say she she was awesome. I really thought she was a cheerleader. She briefed me on the board, gave me the background information I needed to address any questions or concerns that may come up so I could get over those hurdles. And we had done a lot of work together. And then, you know, before the meeting, probably a couple of days before, she had said to me, Lisa, just so you know, um, I'm not going to be able to support you in the meeting. Uh, I will be remaining silent and, and I wish you all the luck. I wish you all the luck in the world. And in that moment, I was like, wait a minute, I thought she was a cheerleader. What happened? And again, you can never really understand why someone's reacting the way they do. I mean, I I knew she believed in the project or she wouldn't have gone to so much work to help me with what the questions might be. But perhaps she was given direction um, to remain silent in the meeting. Um, Perhaps she wasn't sure which way it was going to turn out and and wasn't sure she wanted to put her own um, job or opinion at risk. So she's she's became what I would call a fence sitter, um, you know, just sort of hedging bets to see which way it's going to go, and, and and I was surprised because uh, that that hadn't been the way that she had approached it in the past. But for me, I said, you know what, Lisa, regardless of the reason, it really doesn't matter. At the end of the day, it's your project, and you are accountable. You're accountable for getting it into the market, and you're accountable whether it succeeds or fails. So it's up to you to make this work and look at all the great information she's given you. She's certainly set you up for success. So that's when I kind of sat there and said, okay, it is what it is. Lisa, just ignore it. Don't get distracted by it and keep going and adjust. You need to get to that finish line. And then in one of my earlier shows, I said that when your gut tells you to get on a plane, you get on a plane. And this is the example that I wanted to share with you when I listened to my gut and it was definitely the right situation. In in this instance, uh, in meeting with that regional board of directors, I really felt that a conference call wasn't the right way to share the vision around this project. It's an innovation. It requires discussion. It requires, I needed to see people's reactions on where their concerns might be so that I could help them get over those concerns or those hurdles. And that is a tough thing to do when you are on a conference call. I also felt that it was a sign of respect. Um, People wanted to meet with me because clearly they had some concerns. So why wouldn't I honor that with a face-to-face meeting? What you should also know that is because we were a not-for-profit, you know, um, travel was was quite understandably scrutinized. I mean, you know, you're just an airline ticket. Do you really need to go? Why can't you be more efficient and use a conference call, et cetera? But for me, I felt like, you know what? This is too important. I've come too far. So I said, I'll pay for my own ticket. I wasn't going to let the price of a plane ticket 
get in the way of the work that I had done, you know, not let me finish or get to that finish line. The good news is that the organization did pay for the cost of a ticket and the meeting was a great success. The board was was honored that I had taken the time to meet them face to face. It also helped me to to meet them. They hadn't met me before. Why would they trust me with this project, you know, with their donor dollars, with with this big initiative, if they don't know who I am. It, it's interesting. And I've, I only thought about this reflecting on it when I was preparing for the show. The board chair had asked me when I flew in. And, you know, okay, I'm a bit of a worrier. I'm an overdue kind of person. So perfectionist, whatever you want to call it. I came in a day early because uh, I thought, oh, my gosh, what if something happens with the flight and I can't get there, right? I'm, all these people will be waiting. So I came in a day early and then he asked me, and then when are you leaving? And I said, well, I'm I, I'm actually not leaving until tomorrow morning. And, you know, I kind of joked and said, you know, I thought just in case you wanted to take me out for dinner, ha, 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 right? Like, what am I going to say? But I also thought, what if the meeting goes over time and I don't want to be sitting there feeling kind of rushed or anxious because I might miss my flight? This sort of gave me a really great environment to present to them and to feel calm and relaxed. And then what, what he had said to me later on was that, he was testing how um, how I was going to be able to manage risk, you know, how, how I worked, and was I someone that he could trust. So again, the fact that I was willing to come out there, the fact that I came a day early just in case and left a day later, said she gets it, she understands the importance of this project and the investment and how important it is, um, you know, that we all work together and that we're successful. So for me, what did I learn from this? Trust your instincts. Don't give up. And when your gut tells you to get on a plane, just get on a plane. So um, to Larry Wydell's book of, you know, his next lesson around fish finish, you know, you can't win if you don't finish. So find those cheerleaders, ignore the dream crushers, and you'll be in a better position to have the energy that you need to actually get to the finish line. In this sort of final segment on the show, his last point is around improve. So what he talks about is there's, you know, in his five actions to becoming a serial winner, the final one is improve. Don't settle for what you've achieved. Keep improving. Think of everything as work in progress. So it's not enough to have an idea. You now, once you get everyone to say yes, now you need to nurture it. You need to get it to the finish line. And once you do, you need to keep improving. So to be constantly improving the innovation that you've created to make sure it gets better and better. So why do we need to do this? Because what I've learned is you can't see everything at the beginning. At the beginning, you're, you know, you got all that enthusiasm. You're not really sure about this whole overdue thing. And you don't know what all the adjustments are going to be. You can't possibly see what all those hurdles might be and some of those opportunities. So you really need to, need to think about at each stage you're improving. My team used to call me the queen of the tweakers. Oh, there she goes again, tweaking the deck, tweaking this, tweaking that. And I, I think at the time I didn't even realize what I was doing. And that was I was actually adjusting each presentation, each concept as I was gaining more learning. So every time I met with someone who had said, at least I don't think this is going to work, and they gave me their point, I was now adding that into the thinking process to say, hey, you know what, actually, that was a really good point. Have I thought that through? Does that need to be added into the plan? 
So some of that um, resistance can be positive if you look at it as a way to improve versus it a way to quit, right? So keeping that in mind. So as I said, I was that, you know, the queen of the overdoers. Um, and then looking at those ways to improve and, you know, to take something to the next level. And in the case of this concept, we actually went a little bit outside the organization uh, for improvement. So we basically went to the television networks and asked them how they could build on the idea and how they could make it better. And they came back with things that we could have never expected or thought of. Um, They came back with ways of integrating what we did into their own content to get their on-air talent to help us. It was just fantastic. And this is that example, as I was talking about in the movie and I, I believe this is my final movie reference, The Social Network. Um, and if, for those of who haven't seen it, it's the true story of Mark Zuckerberg, a Harvard, a Harvard student who created the social networking site that later became Facebook, uh, despite all of his legal battles. I'm going to put that to the side for a minute. But basically, he ran into Sean Parker, who had co-founded Napster, and he said to Mark, you know, dump that guy you're hanging out with. He's keeping your idea small. And he goes, actually, you are keeping your idea small. You are thinking other campuses. I'm thinking other continents. And when I watched that movie, I went, wow, I love that. I love that line. I love how he said it. Um, And this is the kind of energy and thinking that you need when you're innovating. You need someone who will inspire you to take your idea to the next level, to build it, to champion it, to improve it, not to crush it and keep it small. You know, so as I said, the next time you hear someone say that, you know, they have a great idea. Think think a little bit before you speak and then think about how they can help you, how you can help them. And when I was leading this innovation, I have to tell you, there were a lot of people who came to me and said, Lisa, this won't work. Uh, this isn't the way that you drive fundraising. This isn't the right way to do it. And I said, okay, great. Then Then tell me what I should do. Okay, if this isn't the right way, then what is the right way? Because clearly they must know. Otherwise, why would they be challenging? And you know what their answer was? Their answer was, I don't know. And actually, you know, that answer really helped me. It inspired me because I thought, okay, well, if they don't know, then how do they know this is wrong? Right? So it's always kind of looking at that, you know, the whole being fired for doing something versus fired for doing nothing. It's like, well, they're saying they don't know. That's really what they're saying is they don't know. They're actually not saying it isn't wrong. It's just coming out in a funny way. So for me, what they said actually did inspire me. It inspired me to think about it differently and to say, look, hey, I don't know if this is, this may not be right, but I'm not sure anyone else knows if it's right either, and it certainly may not be wrong. So the good news is at the end of this project, so was it perfect? No. Did we improve it? Yes. Was it successful? Absolutely. Did it achieve our objectives of aligning everyone nationally, engaging the public with the brand and our mission, and growing revenue? Yes, it did all of those things. And did we create sustainability? Uh, The answer is no. And unfortunately, we weren't able to do that. And we're going to be coming up on a break. So when I come back, I'm going to talk to you a little bit more about building sustainability within your ideas. I'm not sure I have all of the answers. I'm just going to give you what some of my theories are. Um, I'll take you through that. We'll wrap up the show and then chat a little bit about next week's show. So we'll be back in a minute. business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network 
take your business to the next level, deliver more growth to your bottom line, and bring innovation to your organization. Visit LisaChicklesConsulting.com. Lisa Chickles Consulting will work with you to unearth your brand's potential to drive business results. Lisa works with the top brands in the corporate and not-for-profit sectors to develop strategic plans to ensure success. Bring a fresh and original perspective to your business. Visit LisaChicklesConsulting.com. That's LisaChicklesConsulting.com. If you are a beginning or aspiring entrepreneur, have you thought about a coach or mentor? For instance, think about sports figures who have successfully become entrepreneurs and leaders in business. They started out with a coach in their respective sport, and many work with a coach today to help them continue to achieve their goals. Listen for ESCN with host Michael Dawson and co-host Angelia Hobson and Diane Daniels. Tune in Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Central, and 7 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Business and rebroadcasts on Voice America Sports. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into Chat with Chickles. To reach Lisa and her guest today, please call into 1 866 472 5790. That's 1 866 472 5790. You may also send Lisa an email to chatwithchickles at rogers.com. Now, back to this week's show. Hi, everyone. And we, we ended off the show just talking about the great news on this project that took three years in the making. Um, and then in the end, it was it was a success for the organization. It hit on all of the objectives that we had. And we improved it, but I would say we didn't improve it enough. Uh, this was another example of spending a lot of time on managing risk and managing downside and not enough time on improving the idea and integrating and taking it to the next level. And and that that for me has been the tricky part. And I wonder if some of it's about the overdue. I wonder if it's about energy. How, how do you do both at the same time? How are you, you know, figuring out the innovation, getting everyone to agree, getting the buy-in, getting to the finish line, and at the same time, thinking four steps ahead about where it could go the next year and the next year and sort of building that platform. So as I said, I I, I haven't had a great success yet on that. Um, but I am, here's some of my thoughts. And again, I, I'd love to hear from anyone who might be listening today um, before the holidays. And I think it might have something to do with culture, with leadership, and boy, that old structure thing. Um, culture in terms of if you're working on a project and you're sort of dragging everyone behind you, it's tough for anyone to sort of pick up that, you know, the gauntlet or pick up that baton of the sprinter and take it to the next level. It's because you're really actually just dragging people along. And I only think it's till you get to the end that they realize that, oh, this was worth it. This was a good idea. And there'll still be people that continue to challenge. I mean, even after the results came out, people like three years later are still saying, oh, I don't think it worked. But, you know, that that's just that's just people, right? You got to kind of put that noise aside. But if you if if the culture isn't actually embracing innovation and if you don't feel that you have, you know, the freedom to fail and if you're afraid of making a mistake, maybe it's too hard to ask someone to continue to improve or to sustain an idea. 
because at the end of the day, you need the leadership. You need someone who believes in it and who can strategically take it to the next level. And not everybody can. Not everybody's going to want to invest that kind of time and overdue. And maybe not everyone knows how. Or let's say you're no longer with the organization and someone else is taking up the charge. Do they fully understand all of the detail of how you got to where you were? Do they really know how they can take it to the next level? And then structure. I, I feel like I keep going back and forth on this one a little bit in terms of, do you need structure? Do you not? Like we talked about Spotlight and I'm like, okay, so let's think about Spotlight. What if that team, you know, that did finally uncover the big story and did finally get everything out into the public, what if they all left the Boston Globe, but they still had the structure? Would it still work? Um, or do those people still need to be there? Or how do they impart that wisdom or help them to understand how they worked. So do you need some sort of structure or system that's going to help you kind of get to the finish line and then to improve the idea? As I said, I'm not sure what the answer is. So again, if you want to email me at chatwithchickles at rogers.com and that's C-H-I-C-U-L-E-S and let me know what you think. I'd, I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. So we're in the final segment of the show, and what I'm going to do is just sort of sum up what we chatted about today. And basically, you know, the first show was about getting people to say yes to your ideas, you know, getting over some of those cultural barriers um, and trying to embrace that freedom to fail and knowing that mistakes are just learning, right? And and you can improve and you can get there. Um, and then this this week, what, or what we've chatted about is this whole idea, now that you've got people to say yes, how am I getting you to the finish line? How do I build those cheerleaders within my own network, those champions that are going to help me? And how do I adjust along the way instead of just going, you know what, this is too hard. It's got to be an easier way to make a living and I think I'm just going to do something else. How do you find those cheerleaders like in the social network, right? Or in Moneyball where he had that stats guy who was helping him out. And how do you improve on those ideas? So like I said, in the movie network where – you know, he made that great line, you know, you're thinking campuses, I'm thinking continents. I mean, wow, brilliant. Uh, how do you find that in, in in your world and when you're trying to build and improve upon an innovation? And then how do you create that sustainability? You know, is it what's the role of culture, the role of leadership, structure? Keeping in mind that some ideas might have a shelf life. I mean, market changes will happen. But are we but are we maximizing that shelf life? Are we finding a way to kind of adjust when the market changes like McDonald's did to try to help them get over that hurdle? Or are we just abandoning all of that work and saying, oh, well, that was just a project. You know what? We're going to move on to the next project. Seems like such a waste, right? It seems it's actually in a world where we're all about energy conservation and time management. It just seems like a waste to just let that go. So Again, I'm not sure what the full answer is, but what I will say to you is the next time someone comes to you and says, I have a great idea, and you know what? It may not be an innovation in a company. It could be a personal thing, like someone's really passionate about, I don't know, belly dancing or coloring or whatever it is. Try to find a way to just you know support that person and encourage them 
why not? Why not be a cheerleader instead of a dream crusher? Anyway, we just can take that away today, especially as we get into the holidays. That would be great. So next week, I'm going to chat more about leadership. What does it take to be a leader? I want to chat about what I've learned along the way, the successes and the failures, the learning. I always think of them as learning. And and I also want to come back to that book of the 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership. Uh, I won't go through all 21. We certainly don't have time. I'll kind of pick out the key ones that have helped me, you know, that whole idea of leading through influence instead of authority or the law of momentum. You know, some of those concepts and, and Larry talks, Larry Wydell talks about them in his book too. So when I start to see different people saying similar things, then you know there's a nugget there and I want to chat about it. And I also want to come back to our concept of the jungle lion instead of the zoo lion and how to survive in today's world. So I want to thank all of you for listening today. I hope you found the topic helpful and that you took something away. I also want to thank Jane Donville. So Jane is definitely a cheerleader and someone who has helped me to improve the show, to take it to the next level, to finish each episode. I call her my editor. She's also my cheerleader and I couldn't do it without her. So Jane, thank you so much. And to all of you, don't forget, You have to live it to get it, and that's why they couldn't teach you this in business school. You can reach me at chatwithchickles at rogers.com. That's chat with C-H-I-C-U-L-E-S at rogers.com. You can like me on Facebook, connect with me on LinkedIn, follow me on Twitter, and check out my website at lisachicklesconsulting.com. I'm your host today, Lisa Chickles, and you're part of Chat with Chickles, what they couldn't teach you in business school. I hope to have you again with me next week when we talk about leadership and and what it takes to be that jungle lion instead of the zoo lion. And I'll look forward to chatting with you next week. Have a great holiday. Thank you for joining us for Chat with Chickles. Please tune in again next Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time and 11 a.m. Eastern Time for another edition with brand expert Lisa Chickles on the Voice America Business Channel. We'll talk again on the next show.